This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 290. Wow, that's a lot. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, today on the show, we talk with two very interesting gentlemen, General Manager Jack Keen and owner Stuart King of the Circle Hospitality Group. They own two bars in Cincinnati. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, my name is Stuart King. I'm the owner of Circle Hospitality Group here in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's great. And so you have two bars? Yes. Uh, we have a bar called Sundry and Vice, uh, which we opened in a neighborhood called Over the Rhine, uh, which is a really spectacular historic neighborhood here in Cincinnati, uh, which we opened that five years ago. And then we opened the Comfort Station uh, in basically early July. Um, in an area called Walnut Hills. Seems like it's a pretty uh, hip city, up and coming. Cincinnati's a sleeper town. Yeah, it'll it'll it'll, uh, it'll shock you. Um, I spent a good chunk of time, about seven years, in Los Angeles, and um, I've had a, uh, a fairly sizable number of friends throughout the years come out to visit. And, Every single one of them has fallen in love with Cincinnati. Yeah, I've, I visited, um, Jesus, it's got to be 10 years ago now, and I was really impressed. It was a, actually, unfortunately, the first and only time I've been there, but I, I had a great time and, and met some great people and, and saw some great bars. Yeah, Cincinnati's getting uh, um, a little bit better about tooting its own horn, but that was certainly not uh, part of the cultural ethos here for a long time. So, you know, you just never really heard a whole lot about Cincinnati outside of the Reds or, you know, any of the professional sports franchises or WKRP or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just, somebody just posted that classic Thanksgiving episode of that. I hadn't thought of that show in years, and somebody just posted that with the, with the flying turkeys. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> Funny. So I guess uh, if you open a second bar, the business must be doing well. Uh, it's been great. Yeah, we, uh, um, you know, I don't think we really expected or anticipated or could have prepared for the success that Sundry had um, kind of right out of the chute. And, uh, you know, it's been five years now and we've been working on the comfort station. At least I've been working on the comfort station for about five years, uh, sort of little by little, uh, uh, bit by bit. Uh, but yeah, the consistency and the overall success of Sunday sort of allowed us to start to grow our business and expand and, um, take some risks, uh, which, which comfort station certainly is. Um, but, but at least calculated risks and have given us the freedom, um, to, to continue to grow, which has been great. It's been a lot of fun and we've been very fortunate. And, and to be frank, I mean, the secret of our success, uh, you know, the, the, the power of the crew and the team that we've assembled here sort of makes everything else pale in comparison. Um, so, you know, I always tell people you can open the most beautiful bar in the world, but if you don't have a good team behind you, it's, you have no chance. Uh, and we've been incredibly fortunate to, to maintain a, a crazy amount of consistency mm. uh, within our staff, which is tough. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and especially rare in a city that, you know, doesn't have a big population. It doesn't have a huge population of young people. Um, but we seem to have a brand new cocktail bar or this kind of bar, or that kind of bar popping up weekly um really? so the, the competition to maintain your talent or keep your talent yeah. uh and that's what all of our our young people that that work for us and, and and work in management is it's extraordinary and we've been incredibly fortunate on that front yeah well i, I think that comes from the top down you know obviously hiring the right people but then treating them right and keeping them challenged and and feel like they're always learning i think is important yeah, we, we invest a ton into each and every person that works for our company uh, as a person, uh, but we also 
you know, invest a ton in their education, right. uh, a ton in, in maintaining and, and, and uh, maintaining the educational uh, benchmarks where we want them, uh, as well as challenging them. And then, and then, yeah, we, we kind of like to spoil ourselves every now and again nice. and, and do fun things as a family and as a group. And that's, you know, just fostered an, an incredible familial atmosphere around here, uh, which, you know, doesn't come without its, its nitpicks and its, its gripes, uh, like any family would have. But, you know, overall, I think it's a joy for all these folks and for myself to be around each other on a near constant basis. That's cool. uh, and we, we, yeah, we find that we even like to spend as much time together on our free time <laughs> as we <laughs> spend together mm-hmm. uh, here at the office. And, and so that's, that's really been a joy to watch and a joy to be a part of. That's cool. Now, I, yeah. I think that education component is such a, such a big part of it, because if you get the people, if you get the good people that are interested in what they're doing and they want to learn more, that's, that's the kind of people you want. But if you don't keep challenging them, they, they're going to move on. Well, what we do is not easy, right? So especially at the level of volume that we do it at. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we necessarily have to go out and find particularly intelligent people. And, you know, I think we all kind of joke to each other and, and, and amongst our friends that we are kind of a pack of nerds here, for lack of a better word. We all like to learn. We all enjoy the educational experience, whether it's in the classroom or behind the bar. Um, And so that's one of the, you know, major um, personality traits that we look for in the folks that we hire are, are you interested in learning and you know your resume can kind of tell you that but also obviously throughout the interview process uh, that's something that we kind of look out for and, and harp on a little bit uh, because it's necessary to maintain the success of this place through that educational process but also if we kind of foster that sort of uh, culture here uh, then it makes it that much easier for us to continue to put things in place that do challenge them and do make them feel like they're continuing to grow and evolve and, and expand their horizons uh, mentally, physically, whatever it happens to be. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been a key component. And, and you know, it, that bears out in the resumes. We have a number of people that are extraordinarily overeducated uh, <laughs> to necessarily call themselves bartenders. But, but you know, what you know and we know is that this isn't just bartending. It's a whole different level of of, of craftsmanship sure. uh, for lack of a better term. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so how do you, um, what are the resources you, you look to, to, to help educate? Is it the brand, the brands or the brand ambassadors or the distributors or, or yeah. anything oh, and everything that we yeah. can utilize to, to, to add layers, um, to that educational process we do. So we have an entire library, uh, within our company of resources, actual book resources, um, cool. that we basically allow our staff to check out here and there as they're looking to create something new, um, uh, explore different flavor profiles, learn a little bit more about this particular spirit or that particular product or whatever it happens to be. So, um, we do that. We obviously pay special attention to our relationships with our distributors as well as the brands that we put on our back bar. We take any and every opportunity we can to bring in those brand ambassadors or heck the heads of the company. Um, yeah. you know, if, if the relationship is really special to come in and educate our folks, uh, we share a ton of material, whether it be articles, whether it be, you know, new bits of information that maybe not all of us knew or a bunch of us didn't know. Um, so we call from as many resources as we can, uh, to, to sort of, uh, continue and maintain that, that educational aspect of how our business is run. Very cool. I love that yeah. idea of having a, a library that you can check out books. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, 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 I'm a prime example. I like books and I like to read. Yeah. That's how I learn. 
And it just so happened that we hired a staff that the pervasive thing was, I just want to sit down with a book and I'll just, you know, memorize this or read this or learn about this. And but it also helps you inspire. And it's, it, I find it very difficult to come up with new recipes, you know, because, you know, sometimes you feel like, well, everything's already been made or, you know, <laughs> but, but if you sit down with a book and say, oh, well, you know, I can, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then a little bit of this new product that I found. And now you made something new. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a fairly regular occurrence that, uh, I'll walk in to our bar and somebody kind of pre-shift if they have some time or maybe during their own downtime when they're just hanging out, we'll be leaping through death and co or the aviary or, you know, uh, uh, recipe books or, um, the flavor Bible is a big one that we, yeah. that we love in terms yeah. of mixing different, uh, you know, flavor combinations that you never really thought of. That's a huge resource for us because we do take a culinary approach, uh, like a lot of cocktail bars to, to crafting our menu. Do you change your menu often? Uh, we, so we initially thought that we were probably going to change our menu quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, oh boy, is that a process and yeah. it takes a long time, you know, it's just really starting from scratch. And, and obviously our bartenders are working on things during shifts as they're doing bartenders choices or as some bit of inspiration inspires them to craft something new. And we've gotten that thing down, uh, to a pretty darn good science. We had Jack Keen, who you're going to talk to here in a little bit, came in as, as our GM for both bars. And he's really done an amazing job of, of systematizing the menu process. Uh, mm-hmm. cause that thing can get real squirrely real quick. Yeah. Um, and so we've, we've decided that a, a sort of twice a year change, uh, suits us really well. Um, we kind of just pluck the warm weather months and, and use those. And then we'll introduce a new menu here starting in, you know, this part of early December, uh, and let that kind of ride through, I don't know, usually about May or June. Uh, and then we'll introduce something new for the summer. Um, the seasonality of here, just like New York is so drastic that, you can't help but have a psychological that yeah. that can't help but have a psychological impact <laughs> on the customer yeah. and the guest yeah. uh, in terms of what they want to sip on. So, so yeah, that we got we got a foot of snow here the other day. So oh my god, seriously? <laughs> not well, not in the city. I'm just a little north of the city. Uh, <laughs> the the, the, the <laughs> no, city not, got an inch. I got a foot. <laughs> I am not ready for that, man. <laughs> so uh, so two very different concepts sounds like with your two bars. So sundry and vice is an apothecary style bar, right? Yeah, so Sundry went through its own kind of weird evolution even before we opened the doors to that place. Uh, I was living in L.A. Anyway, it's a long story, but I came back and decided maybe I'd be interested in moving back to Ohio and and specifically finding roots again in Cincinnati. And the original idea behind Sundry was that it was going to be sort of a pharmacy apothecary bar inspired by this guy named George Remus. And I won't get into his whole story, (laughs) um, but he was a Cincinnati – resident. He was not a native. He moved here from Chicago, um, basically to set up his bootlegging business, uh, which is a story we've heard a million times in this industry, blah, blah, blah. But his, his story is really interesting because he made a ton of money. He got sent to federal prison, uh, his wife and one of the federal agents that helped pop him, uh, for a variety of crimes, liquidated all of his assets, uh, stole everything out of his house, which he was very, very famous for his big mansion, um, and took everything while he was in prison. And, uh, needless to say, he was none too happy. Uh, he decided to divorce his wife, but even that wasn't enough. So he shot her dead in front of her daughter. Oh on the day that their divorce was supposed to be finalized. Uh, and then he calmly drove himself to the jail, uh, turned himself into the police. Uh, he represented himself in his trial because he was a, a lawyer. And he was able to win acquittal uh, uh, and found 
not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. Um, and he was sent off He's to a, a good mental lawyer. facility. <laughs> yeah, he was sent off to a mental facility for about six months, and then he lived his the rest of his days very quietly and as a free man. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I learned about whole, him on Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that show. There's, you're right. There is a whole uh, pharmacy angle to hit the nature of his business, and we kind of thought it was a cool thing to put those two together. And then as we got closer to actually starting construction, a couple things happened. Uh, number one, it's illegal to call yourself a pharmacy unless you actually are a pharmacy. Um, so that was a full stop right there. And then uh, there was a product introduced utilizing his likeness as well as his story. And we kind of thought it would sound a little bit derivative. So Sundry turned into more apothecary-focused, and it was pretty simple, uh, and certainly not the first apothecary-inspired bar in the, in the country. But, uh, you know, it was just a tip of the cap and a doff of the cap, not only to the history of o- Over the Rhine, um, uh, but also to the role the apothecary played in, you know, cocktails uh, with, with bitters and whatnot. So, so that was, that was a, a, a fairly easy transition for us, and then it actually allowed the bar to – I don't know, uh, probably become more beautiful and a little more open from a marketing standpoint um, and gave us a quite a bit wider runway from which to play with. So, so that's the story of Sudry. Very cool. And yeah. Then, and then Comfort Station has uh, two different concepts, right? One on the one on the first floor and one on the second floor? Yeah. So uh, around the time that we were sort of finalizing all the construction schedules for Sudry, uh, an attorney friend of mine brought me up to this area, Walnut Hills, that I'd never even been to. I lived in Cincinnati for four years prior to that. but um, And I found this building, and it, it turned out it was a 105-year-old public restroom with its original <laughs> facade. And for some reason, it had a back patio, a backyard. Um, and it had been abandoned for about 50, 60 years, probably at minimum. But all the original bones still stood there, and I thought, wow, I That'd be interesting to turn into a bar. <laughs> so we pitched the the neighborhood of Walnut Hills on it, and they liked it. Pretty residential neighborhood? It is, yes. But it also used to be the corner that we're at. It used to be a very, very busy uh, street corner with a lot of grocery shops, a lot of stores, mm, a lot okay. of storefronts. And so we have these amazing historic buildings directly next to us and sort of bracketing us. And they, had, the city of Cincinnati had put this public restroom there because it was such a busy area. Oh, I see. Yeah, and then Walnut Hills ended up transitioning into a, a little bit more residential, and now we're sort of trying to find this midpoint. So, yeah, so we decided, I, and I decided that, of course, we're going to have two concepts. We're going to have one through the women's room door, which is the original. <laughs> it's still got the original etching of women above it. <laughs> and then we were going to have another concept through the men's room door, uh, the, which would lead downstairs into the basement because it had a full basement again for some reason. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> the same footprint as the upstairs. So, yes. Let's see. I'm looking at your menu now. You are now among the lost. What? That's that's kind of our like fun name for the space downstairs. Oh, okay, uh, we, got it. Yeah, we 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 conversation is not really a concept. We just kind of use the the beauty of the space and and try to highlight it as much as possible. And there's a lot of features, but we always considered the downstairs to be a little bit naughty, to be that sort of like dark. <laughs> dark underbelly that we all sort of have and we don't really tell anybody about. Right. Um, and we, we took that from a, a passage in one of Dante's trilogies, uh, You're Now Among the Lost, uh, just kind of struck us as funny. And sort of 
I don't know, a little bit of a metaphor for being at a bar, especially a subterranean one mm. with no windows or, and, and, you know, it's all dark and moody and all that stuff. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I'm, I have to ask you this question because being from New York and I see craft cocktails pr- priced at $10, $11, I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> we, uh, we don't have rents that are as high yeah. as the rents that people are paying in Manhattan. So that's uh, pretty much the end all be I all. guess that's it. Uh, we, we still cost out our drinks exactly like every bar should. Uh, yeah. most, most do in our arena. Um, where you're sort of identifying a sweet spot from a margin standpoint. Uh, but yeah, we're not paying those ridiculous rents that everybody has is forced to pay in Manhattan. So that's, that's a huge advantage to us to be able to price things out at a reasonable, you know, semi-reasonable rate. Although I will say when we first opened Sundry, there was a significant backlash to the idea of spending $10 on a cocktail. <laughs> we kind of looked at each other and we were like, good God, 10 do bucks you know is much, Do you know how much work it makes to, it takes to Are make this thing? Are you watching these people? Yeah. <laughs> serving all 200 of you? <laughs> yeah. And you didn't even see all the work that went into making the syrups and everything <laughs> exactly. else. Exactly. And little by little, I think people started to understand. It was a little bit of culture shock to walk into a cocktail-specific a bar uh, like that, that, that kind of looked like that, that was serving drinks like that, that was making drinks like that, that was doing volume like that. And so most folks got it. Most folks understood like how much care and how much work goes into it. But there was, you know, there was a little bit of culture shock. But over the course of the last five years, I mean, that's something that I, I can't even, I could be wrong, but I haven't heard a complaint about our pricing structure in years <laughs> at this point. But initially there was a little bit of that. People have to realize that they're paying for a quality product they're playing for quality people to be right. serving them and uh, right and i think i think there's it's a long process but it comes from you know uh, the pricing of wine and now craft beer and and yeah. quality food and that kind yeah. of thing and I, i'm gonna let jack talk more about that but like that that is the fun part and if you want to make that transition that's good but the fun part about comfort station is we actually have more physical space, um, and and that kind of and we have a patio, and that gave us a little bit longer runway to play with in terms of the product offerings. So we have beers on our menu for four dollars. Uh, you know, sixteen ounce can beers on our menu for four dollars, um, and we have a good chunk of like very reasonably priced things, which I think brings us a tremendous amount of satisfaction uh, because we're able to do the the you know the very precious cocktailing kind of thing here as well. Um, which we do downstairs in the men's room area far more, uh, but we do offer a, a good, wonderful menu of great cocktails upstairs as well. But we also are able to sort of flower in all of these much more reasonably priced or, or lower price is probably a better way of putting it uh, offerings, um, which which just expands our our, our guest base. Uh, yeah, which is cool. Of course. Yeah, and it's also a nice way to for people uh, to. Be exposed to it. Maybe they hadn't been exposed to that kind of thing before, and they, you know, for sure. If if, if you're somebody on a budget and a four dollar uh, beer brings you in, great. And if you get exposed to, you know, an eight dollar cocktail or a ten dollar cocktail or something like that, and that's something that you want to try, even better. Like we love, love, love getting people that aren't familiar with our program and how we do cocktails or or even cocktails in general. Uh, getting a chance to educate those folks on that stuff is awesome yeah that's that's yeah. really fun that's really cool yeah yeah awesome so if you All want right, Stu, I will, yeah yeah let's yeah, talk to jack okay sounds good cool thanks hello hey jack brian here hey brian how are you great great how are you doing good i'm doing very well today excellent well uh sounds like interesting things you you guys are doing out there 
And, yeah. Uh, I'm excited to talk more about your menu because it's uh, your menus look great. Well, thank you. So did you kind of source those drinks from from the different bartenders, or how, how do you come up with the menus? Yeah, yeah. Everything is driven from our from our bar staff, and it's a uh, it's it's not hard to get these guys to be um, extremely outside the box. Mm. So it's a lot of fun to be able to uh, to give them the amount of runway that I can, and we've we've got a great deal of open-minded individuals when it comes to flavor so we get to have a lot of fun and i get i get to hone a lot of really really smart people that really understand the uh what the market's looking for but we also have a lot of teamwork where you know like i know that my tastes aren't going to be the exact same as everybody else so i'm i'm far from a dictator when it comes to the menu we have a pretty open conversations not only about each and every cocktail but even after all the cocktails have been pitched. It's not necessarily my my favorite thing or Stu's favorite thing that's going to make the menu. A lot of times, it's okay. You know, what's the crowd think about this? How do mm-hmm. how do these things affect you? What were you trying to do with this? Is this cocktail trying to serve a purpose or prove a point? Is that to its detriment, or is that in fact something that we can drive a narrative off of and and have some have a lot of fun with? Like we've had cocktails on the menu before that have had entire storylines around them and really fun different ways of bringing flavors together and and like we've got a i believe it's called the drunken angel on the menu at sundry and vice right now and it's you know it's basically a japanese inspired uh, flavor combination and it was all done basically in the head of of our agm uh, Aaron Kirby, uh, and it was you know it's so much fun for him to be able to people would look at it like Drunken Angel that's funny and then <laughs> all of a sudden there's a huge conversation and, and we get an opportunity to really connect with people on an entirely different level when you're like well actually that was that's my cocktail or that's my friend's cocktail and then you can have like a really really nice conversation on both ends where it's not it's not as big a menu as a lot of as some places where you know you're looking at 35 to 50 drinks on the menu and a lot of stuff is oh that's the that's the absinthe drink yeah ours are are very driven by the personalities that that we have in the door and it's inspiring to see very cool and I love, uh, I'm looking at the sundry and vice menu here, the, um, yeah. I, I, you list the ingredients, but you also give sort of the flavor pro- profile of it, which I think is, is a great move. Yeah. We, we, we like the, those three, those little three word kind of blurbs where it's like, Oh, it's, it's funky. And it, you know, like it, it, we, we like to describe things with uh, a little bit more of a conversational base. So that's, it's kind of the way I like to train as well. So we have like a, uh, a lot of the, um, the training that we have, it, it instills a, a conversational knowledge that, that goes with the book knowledge, but you can make it so much more fun to to dive into something like a bottle of whiskey when you can have a full conversation about that. And it's not just like, oh, yeah, well, it's 73 percent corn. So that's what it is. So <laughs> we, we like to be able to have a little bit more fun around the liquids because that's what we're doing. You know, we're playing with liquids and that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, being able to describe those uh, those different cocktails with, you know, funky acidic or, you know, easy tiki or, you know, <laughs> Boozy, like smoky you know, decadent. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that cocktail, the O Oscar's incredible. I bet. Yeah. 
Yeah. The banana is it a banana liqueur or, or something yeah, to make? Yeah, it's yeah. Gifford's yeah, it's yeah. Gifford's banana. Gifford's. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And they do such a great product. And uh, you know, we, we definitely went went out of our way to try to recreate it. <laughs> and mm. if we can do it better we in house, we definitely yeah, right. <laughs> we uh we have looked around at doing almost everything in house. You know, we've had guys making our our, our apprentices uh making or even our bartenders at this point trying to trying to you know break down okay well i really you know we know how to make orgeat obviously but how do we how do we perfect it how do we get, how do we do a pineapple orgeat how do we do this how do we do that so a bunch of different ways to uh to kind of explore uh, the differences so we don't necessarily have to take something directly out of the bottle but if it's as good as gifford's benane it doesn't bother me too much to be able to uh yeah. to in, instill that much flavor in such a small package you know a spoonful of that goes so far yeah yeah and then you know plus you got to consider how much labor it takes you know to to make something like that or exactly is right. so time consuming i tried to make yeah. it once i'll never do it again <laughs> i'm like <laughs> small hand foods makes a great one that's, yeah. that's the one i want yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it and that's exactly what a lot of um you know cocktail bar owners and bar and bar managers do need to pay attention to is that like you need to cook that cost in so, you know, yeah. if, if you're, yeah, if you're totally. paying, you know, if, if you look at, you know, the bottle of, of Orgeat being $16 yeah. and you think, oh man, that's like putting another liquor in there. Mm-hmm. But then you realize that it's going to take someone six hours to yeah. make your weekly par. Yeah. Now, hold on a second. What are they not getting done? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> well, cool. And so you guys are into uh, a lot of draft cocktails, right? And, and even bottled? Yeah. Bottled yeah, we do. Exactly right. Yeah. So we've got uh, we've got four draft cocktails in both bars, and then um, we're doing uh, bottle cocktails at Comfort um, right now. We're actually switching uh, both of those over, so it's an extremely exciting time right now to try to uh, figure out which ones are going to hit the market. And uh, you know, that's probably one of the things that we're going to change more often than the full menu will be the bottle cocktails because we can make you know a few ahead of time, and it's not that we're we have to completely change the entire menu when we do two drinks at a time. It's not going to be crazy but you know we're looking at doing top secret um you know a you know white russian spin or a cosmo spin or you know a, f- a few of the fun drinks that need we think maybe need to be re re looked at right. relitigated <laughs> and and have a little bit of fun with so yeah as of right now uh we have a a bottled pineapple chartreuse swizzle uh and then uh so i kind of took that from tiki inspiration um you know all of us have an affinity for uh for chartreuse and everything that they do. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to put together something that was going to be fun, tiki, uh, light, but also extremely complex. So, uh, we put together something, um, it was, it was really, really good. And, you know, our, our first couple of, uh, months we were just selling just so many, it, it got to the point where it was hard to keep up with, which is also, a uh, a little bit of a warning to, uh, to bar managers everywhere. Um, that prep isn't happening without, you know, a significant amount of training or a significant amount of dedication from the management staff. And so it, um, or whomever is birthing that within the staff, you know, we've got, uh, I'm actually passing off that program right now, uh, to one of our younger up and comers. He actually, uh, he got his first bar shift in March mm-hmm. and, um, and he is 
uh, probably going to be taking over half of uh, like the draft program at Comfort Station along with the bottle cocktail. So it's nice to be able to inspire these young men and women uh, so that you can see the, the, the work that comes out of them with the inspiration that you're able to get. It, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's breathtaking. That's really awesome. Well, explain to somebody who, who has no concept of what a draft cocktail is, what, what it is, and what's the advantage of doing it that way over like you have a draft old fashioned, like what, Yeah. why is that better? Or yeah. Yeah. Why is that better? Or could it be worse? Yeah. It's a, um, so the fun, the fun part about, um, the draft cocktails is it's perfection and it's, it's something that, you know, we, we take tender love and care when we make these cocktails because that's exactly what they are. They're just a five and a half gallon cocktail. So if you think that I'm in the basement making a cocktail that isn't going to be exactly yeah. up to par with <laughs> what I'm making in front of you, I, I just, <laughs> I, uh, you know, it, it gets me one of those conversations with a lot of guests where they'll say like, well, you know, I, I just, I would really just like a real one. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's kind of where we have to start to educate the public when we say, no, 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 this is real cocktail. It's just, yeah. we make them in giant batches so that on Friday and Saturday night, you know, if, being that, um, this is not my original joke. I will give uh, credit where credit is due. Um, Justin Simmons, um, an old general manager of uh, of Sundry and Vice, used to always say the old fashioned is the new Jack and Coke. Yeah. <laughs> and when you've got 19, 23 year old guys that all walked into the bar at the exact same time, and everyone wants an old fashioned, yeah. but you've got a full deck. Yeah. It's it's really really nice to be able to turn around to that draft line and pull a perfect old fashioned each and every time. We also get the opportunity to kind of flex a little bit on doing, you know, spritzers and fun highballs and playing around with the idea of re-educating people about what a vucare happens to be or other classics that are, um, uh, you know, it's everything's made in house and everything comes directly from our training. So it's, it's rewarding to be able to pick a drink that's ex- as successful as when we had the remember the main on the on draft. And it was, you know, extremely popular. And then there's some that are going to be misses and that, and that happens too. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get to the point where you're, you've got something with winter in the name and you're like, wait a second, it's <laughs> April. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you know, you know, there, there is no waste on anything that's going to be, a. uh, right. uh in a, a cocktail keg, you know, it's, right, you're not getting the oxygen on it. Yeah. Huge, huge advantage. No waste, no added, um, it, it doesn't take up a lot of space. Lot, to, fresh lime juice keg. and everything will, will stay fresh in there. No. So we actually don't use any fresh citrus, okay. uh, in the lines. Yeah. So, uh, we don't want to damage our lines and mm-hmm. we also don't want that, um, that juice to, even with the, the very small amount of oxygen that gets in, yeah. that it will oxidize and it is going to taste uh, a little a little off almost immediately or, you know, if, if we have the opportunity to throw a party and blow something out the day of, then I'll, I'll, I'll get a little, uh, rambunctious with it and throw (laughs) something in there. But otherwise we stay with trying to utilize either booze only classics, spritzers being that they are, uh, driven a lot by, you know, the, uh, the soda and, or the bubbles. And then, um, on the, uh, on the, the highball line, you know, that's just fun. It yeah. gets to be, it yeah, gets yeah. to be so much fun. You get, you get an opportunity to be like, Oh, you know what? We really like tequila and squirt. So <laughs> let's, let's play around with how can we infuse this tequila to make it not taste like tequila and squirt. But yeah, it's, it's, it's fun because then it also becomes a conversation with people where they're like grapefruit. Can you use grapefruit juice? In wine? like, now hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, another, another educational point for us, which is fun. And then what about the equipment that you use to, um, to do draft cocktails? Cause it, it seems like, I mean, at first there was, everybody was kind of just kind of 
throwing stuff together that they found <laughs> they were kind of making their own and then now i guess there's systems you can buy yeah yeah we we um we actually kind of subscribe to a little bit more of a of an old school way if you will so we have a charging station uh, which is basically just a co2 um and a hose and you can just sink that bad boy right into to the liquid and pressurize it pretty well so uh so we but the liquid's do, going into into like a six still keg or, or yes yeah, yeah into yeah. A, fi- it's a, a corny keg yeah five and a half gallons um and you just throw that bad boy on and um uh, it goes right onto our draft system so it's a uh it's just a, a typical so it's the same co2 for keg. your for your beer mm-hmm. okay. yes indeed all right mm-hmm. yep so we we use a uh, a co2 nitro blend on everything oh, okay. uh, except for obviously our nitro tap nice. um so it, so it pushes everything really nicely but it's also really nice to be able to and this is a brand new tap system so this is fun when you kick off all the other taps at night Mm-hmm. it'll start to charge if you leave one one keg going so we can charge a uh you know uh, say so if there's something we use a syrup with and we cut it with water we can then charge it utilizing our system uh and the gas that's going through there at all times so that, that gets to be uh a, a fun experiment sometimes it takes sometimes it's like okay well we need to do this for six days in a row yeah. okay <laughs> we need to pull that off and we're gonna have to use the charging station so yeah sometimes we um we'll just kick off all the uh, all the gas and uh, and try to just run that one line, but uh, yeah, a lot of times it's it's just charging it ahead of time or uh, not necessarily having to for uh, uh, for anything that's uh, you know completely uh, alcohol based. So the old fashioned or um, the, remember the main or Vucare, uh, you can just toss those on. You don't have to do a whole lot scientifically to get that to go right up the stairs. I was at a bar one time. They said we we have uh, Redemption Rye on tap. It's a little carbonated. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. take all of that. Please, can I have a bucket? <laughs> What's the um, remember the main? I can't remember how to make that. It's a uh, abs- it's rye, right? Absinthe and rye. Yeah, it's an absinthe and rye cocktail uh, with cherry hearing. It is it is spectacular? So oh, it's yeah. a um, so it's a Manhattan, Manhattan variation, I guess, right? Yeah, it's a Manhattan riff. Yeah, yeah. which is one of the things we do a lot at Sundry is uh, we don't want to put a direct Manhattan on the menu because. Well, first of all, it's boring. Second of all, we've uh, it's we we have a Manhattan uh, riff on the menu at Comfort Station, and at Comfort Station, we're we're very comfortable with the idea that a lot of our uh, cocktails are spins on things that people are are um, yeah, very comfortable with. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got a mai tai on the menu, so people will be like, "Oh, a mai tai!" But then you realize the the mai tai has balsamic vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're we're reimagining a lot of these things that people think that they already understand. But yeah, the Manhattan that we have on draft at Comfort Station has a little bit of yellow chartreuse and some orange bitters. So it's it's an it's an entirely different kind of Manhattan. Um, and then down at Sundry, we usually try to go for another classic. Like I said, Vucare is on draft right now, and it, it's fantastic. Uh, it's what probably mm. one of my favorite cocktails of I all love time. that cocktail, yeah. But that one, yeah, that is just New Orleans classic. Yeah. But yeah, we don't we don't want to do we we kind of we we let ourselves educate more at Sundry. Uh, without utilizing those those original names, so when people say "What is a Vucare?", you can have that conversation, and it becomes, "Oh well, you know, loosely translated to French Quarter, and it's birthed from from the Manhattan family." And mm-hmm. and you get an opportunity to have that really fun conversation. Of course, those those conversations happen at, at Comfort as well, but it's more of a neighborhood location where you like uh, like Stu was mentioning, you can get a Budweiser and a and a yeah. shot of, uh, of of tequila and just be left alone, and it's a wonderful thing. But you can also run up to the bar and 
and talk about why the oh this little thing is kind of a very intricate and complex mule riff yeah where you know it's a scotch and chartreuse mule like where is that coming from but there's actually only a spoonful of uh, of ginger in it mm-hmm. so people are wait a minute where'd this come from so yeah it's we, we definitely get those conversations at both bars do you often get people who are not that familiar with all of these ingredients that you're listing here, like they must be like, sure, what, sure, yes, and then, and then so, yes. and then so, what's their reaction when they taste it for the first time? So that's actually, yeah, that's another fun question. Um, it's a bit of an acquired taste, let's say. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, sure, let's, sure, in and of itself, is an acquired taste. Yes, yeah. Um, to say, you know, like, oh yeah, it's got 127 alpine herbs. That can be a very comfortable comment, but not necessarily a very easily understood comment by the general population, where they're going to say, first of all, what's an alpine herb? Second of all, uh, uh, 127, that seems like it would be muddy. And third of all, is is that the same chartreuse that was in my Crayola box? Is it that green? <laughs> so you get an opportunity That's where the, to... Uh, the, the liqueur came before the color, before the yes, crayon. indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we'll do a lot of, you know, we'll break it down for people where it's like, okay, well, if you'd like to, you know, here, try this little sip independently of everything else and then you can understand where it lies in the cocktail so i always like to say that you know when the cocktail comes together it becomes better than the sum of its parts it's it is exactly where you want to be when it gets on the menu but trying chartreuse individually isn't necessarily going to make you understand what where it is in the cocktail so a lot of times i will wait to give that that taste or that pairing until i've already made the drink and i'll say something like you know okay well uh, you know we'll go ahead and pay for that if you're if you're not interested in it but i'd like to make you this cocktail and kind of explain to you because if if they've got a bunch of different uh questions about the same drink that's when i'm like hey don't google any of these words let's talk about this <laughs> and, and, it, <laughs> and it, you know it, you know you don't want people to have to be looking at it and like okay well i don't even know what amari is like okay yeah. well you know let, let us let us go down this road together. Let me be your guide. Yeah. That's something that we've instilled in our entire staff where, you know, we've got people, uh, that come in once or twice and then they'll come back the third time with a gift for, <laughs> for the bartender who oh. walked them through like the, Oh, I had no idea. I like gin conversation right. or I had no idea, you know, Oh, okay. Well, you know, what, what's that really pretty bottle in the back bar? Well, oh, that's Montenegro. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, what does it, what does that mean? What does that taste like? How does that, how does that like fold into a cocktail? Yeah. So we're conversational about it, but we're also, you know, Hey, if you just want to try it, you know, the yeah. answer is going to be yes. We, yeah. we, we also want to educate you as much as we want to entertain because a lot of times education is entertaining. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's kind of this whole crew. You know, we've got chemical engineers on staff. <laughs> we've got, oh, we've got, uh, guys with masters and uh, marketing and we've got, you know, it, it's, it's incredible the amount of, of education and, and, uh, intelligence we have in this crew. So it's, it's nice to give them, give them road and watch them work. Very cool. Do you have a pretty active, um, USBG United States Bartenders Guild there in Cincinnati? We do. As a matter of fact, they, uh, so they, they just really started getting their act together right around the time that sundry opened. Um, so they were, I think they had only had, 15 or 16 members, maybe even less, uh, when Sundry opened and, um, with the, uh, in the last five years, you know, the, all the cocktail bars that have opened and it's not even just the cocktail bars. A lot mm-hmm. of the restaurant bars have yeah. started taking on, you know, uh, a real education sake in, in their cocktail program. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's grown quite a bit and I know they, they plan trips 
it's it's a lot like they're kind of up and back to columbus and down to kentucky quite a bit um going to different breweries and i just saw they were all at lux road pretty recently but yeah I'm, sadly i uh, i am married with a four-year-old so i am not in the guild as of as of right now <laughs> <laughs> well i always encourage my listeners to um to to look into it because i think it's a great organization oh, yeah Sure. Oh, it's an incredible organization. They they do they do a really really nice job around the city, and they've put on a bunch of different um, cocktail competitions where you know we've had some some friends fare extremely well. So yeah, it's been it's they, they do a great job. Cool. And do you try to use some uh, local spirits and other local ingredients? Oh yeah, we use we try to use. So I mean, one of one of our biggest things is the juice is the juice is the juice so we're we're looking for great great products one way or the other we've got this incredible brewery or i'm sorry distillery right across the river in northern kentucky uh called new riff and um we've had an opportunity for you know uh one of their founders and their head distiller to give us um give us a tour you know the kind of the um, the off the cuff tour, the, uh, hey guys, the real, how the fuck are you? Tour. The real not tour. The, not, yeah, yeah not, exactly. Yeah. Not, not the not, consumers not the, at uh, one o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday tour. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we, we were there at about 9am on a Monday and you know, he's in work boots and the whole nine yeah. yards. And the first time I had met him, he knew he was probably in a $3,000 suit. Mm-hmm. So it was, all right, guys, let's get, let's take a walk. And the other distillers that uh, are also regulars at our bar were like, wait a minute, why is he giving you guys a tour? He doesn't give tours. We're like, well, <laughs> he gives <laughs> us tours. Because we are. Yeah. Yeah. That, this is a different situation for us because thank goodness. You know, we, and we like, like I said, we like to dedicate ourselves to, to the good juice. So, I mean, their gin is winning awards all over the world. um, Their whole line just got double gold um, at uh, at San Francisco. So we we try to give them as much pub as we possibly can. What's the Um, name again? It's New Riff Distillery. Oh, okay. So it's it's a new riff on an old classic. So it definitely has some parallels to what we do. It, both programs, to be perfectly honest, you know, we, we do a lot of riffs. It's not necessarily Mr. Potato Heading, but it's a lot of uh, inspiration taken from, okay, well, this sour was incredible with these five ingredients. How can I turn that five into either far more or far less? Um, so, you know, you know, doing a spin on, you know, a classic daiquiri is probably my favorite framework yeah. to work from. Yeah. And uh, that's that's kind of, you know, right when we saw they were really making their headway because they, they, they opened a few years ago, but they never actually put anything under their own name until it was their own juice. So they were sourcing mm-hmm. um, uh, some products um, early on uh, under a different brand name. And then once they really started pushing their own stuff, and they 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 did the whole relaunch of of the new riff uh, feel and kind of kind of immediately fell in love with the idea that you know we we do the very same thing. Well, wow! It sounds like you guys are doing amazing things there, and um, I'd I'd love to come visit you sometime. Yeah, please do. Get on a flight. I mean, LaGuardia is kind of ugly, but I'm sure you can get down here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, LaGuardia, they're working uh, on it. They're trying to make it better. Auto- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're 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 giving it they're giving it a shot. Those automated bartenders scare me a little bit. Oh, <laughs> it's the worst. Oh, it's, so it's the bad. worst. Oh, it's so bad. You try to order a drink, and then it, 
from the bartender and he reaches around the other side to your iPad and p- punches it in before he can make it. Oh, it's the worst. I hate it. Oh, that is terrible. <laughs> terrible. No fun. That's the opposite of, hosp- <laughs> the opposite of hospitality right there. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. The, the opposite of what we really want to pay attention exactly. to the most, which is hospitality, you know, exactly. and everything comes from the, from the fact that this is a science of making people's day better. Yep. You know, it, everything goes into that, whether it's, you know, the cocktail or it's the conversation, but each and everything should be, working towards that being remembered and, and and trying to make that person come back because you know they had a far better day after they came in than before they before they came in absolutely awesome well thank you jack my pleasure thanks Stu, and you guys are the best and uh looking forward to staying in touch all right yeah absolutely brian thank you so very much it was nice talking to you cheers all right cheers interesting guys there i hope you enjoyed that Well, don't forget about our book. I wrote a book with Mr. Benny, and it's called Cocktails Made Simple. It's available on Amazon, and we'll have a link for that on bartenderjourney.net. That's the website. Hey, if you want to get in touch, please do. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at bartenderjourney, or you can email me directly at brian at bartenderjourney.net. Email for any reason. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have an idea for the show, a suggestion or a question or something you want answered, or uh, maybe you want to be on the show. If you've got an interesting story to tell, I'd love to hear from you. Brian at bartenderjourney.net is the email. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.